This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. So, how was 215 for you? Was it everything you'd hoped and dreamed at the beginning of the year? Or did it take a turn? I know many of you, and I know that many of us have seen some things this year that were uh, exciting and encouraging, but at the same time, many of us have experienced things that were very painful or very disappointing or maybe just confusing. Well, it's all water under the bridge. Nothing you can do about it now. But is there something that we can do now to make sure that next year looks different from this year? Now, obviously, the things that went well, the things that were surprises and were wonderful, we don't want to mess with those, okay? Don't mess with those. And if some decision you made was partially responsible for that, that's something that you want to do again. Obviously, you know, the the year at the gym, had a huge impact on me. (laughs) But I wonder if there's something that you would do differently. Most of us say, yeah, that's a long list. Could we talk about that for just a minute? And mostly I want to talk about our intersection between our faith and what we can do differently. You see, Sometimes those of us who follow Jesus, we get all these little sayings down in our head. You know, oh, we're going to pray and we're trusting God to provide and da-da-da-da-da. And somehow as we say all that, we are at the same time sort of relinquishing responsibility. What's interesting is that God wants to work with you. Now, sometimes he works without you. Often he works in spite of us, but his design and his goal is to work with us. He wants to bring his children to work. Not just one week a month, or not just one week a year, but every day. That's actually what Jesus meant when he invited people to follow him. So what would you do differently? Now is your chance. This is the time, this is the perfect opportunity to make some decisions, to change some thinking that can impact 2016 so that we're not in the place that we are. Now, some of us say, hey, this where I am right now, it's not that bad. Great. But if we were to dream about what we would hope to be, where we want to be next year, there's a good chance that something we do right now, today, could have an impact on that. Now, I do think... Uh, There are so many things we could talk about, but I do think that there is one idea, one basic premise, one principle, one overarching idea that could really help us as we think about the coming year. What I think we really need in 2016 is Trump. <laughs> don't even don't even go there. Yeah, don't even go there. I don't because I don't. That's not what I mean. That's not who I mean. But I just knew it's fun to even say it out loud. <clears throat> but that's not the kind of Trump we're talking about. 
I'm talking about uh, Trump as in uh, like a Trump card. Now, not many of us play cards. You know, maybe some of you still. My parents used to, we played cribbage all the time, right? But a, a Trump card, at least the idea of a Trump card, is, is it's, a, it's an action, it's a, it's a move that supersedes all the un- others. It kind of tops out everything else. Let me give you an illustration. Um, we have a second freezer out in our garage where we store our abundance of food. Right now, there's two bags of ice and a thing of pie crusts out there, I think. But, <laughs> but there's a reason why it's almost empty. is because our freezer has this habit of kicking off whenever it wants. And that's especially fun during the summer when you don't really notice it until suddenly it's like something died in the, in the garage. And you're like, oh, no. And you open it, and it's just, you know, and you, you've been there. Some of you have been through that. And, and so it kept kicking off, and, it, and boy, I checked everything and couldn't figure out why it kept going off. I, I started thinking, ah, maybe it's the plug. The plug. And then we change out the plug. And then we find more dead carcasses in our freezer a few months later. Ah! And, and, and I'm checking everything. Well, obviously, some of you are like, Mike, how, long, how many months did it take you to check the breaker, you know, and whatever. But the whole point is that changing out a plug or changing out a freezer doesn't help if the problem is upstream a little bit at the breaker. Or no water comes out of the hose. Hey, the nozzle's broken. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I doubt the nozzle's broken. Did you look for a kink? Did you look for a, an obstruction? The trump card is that thing that kind of lands way up here and kind of affects everything else. And so all I want to do today is talk about a few trump cards that I want you and I to consider as we go through 2016. They're spiritual, but because they are spiritual, they are practical. And I think they have the potential. If we can remember these, they have the potential to affect how 2016 goes. So here's the first trump card. You ready? And if, you're, if you've got your notes, if, you wanna, if you're one of those note takers, you go right ahead. But the first trump card is this. God's grace trumps our performance. God's grace trumps our performance. Now, sometimes when we describe grace around here, we'll actually do kind of a little alliteration, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. But grace means that someone who deserves punishment doesn't deserve God's favor. Someone who deserves punishment receives God's favor anyway. That's grace. And that applies to every one of us. Now, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to understand this more than anything else. You see, most of us, it seems instinctive to think that, well, let's see, if heaven is there, if God is there, then good people should go to heaven and bad people should go to hell. Makes perfect sense. And it's absolutely right, except for one small problem. Nobody's perfect. Well, you say, I didn't say perfect, I said good. Well, who gets to decide who is good? God. And God uses himself as the standard. If he is what good is, then none of us, no person meets up. Heaven is a perfect place. He couldn't let sin enter it and have it stay a perfect place. And so 
we are all subject to judgment because we have sinned. But God loved us, and he gave us grace. When we deserved punishment, he instead showed us favor. And the favor is tied right to what we just celebrated, Christmas, that God would send his one and only son, who would eventually live among us, give his life on the cross. And when he died on the cross, by the way, if you don't know Jesus, it's easy to think of that as a, a terrible tragedy. It was exactly what God planned. Because when Jesus died, he paid for our sin, not his own. And now because he made the payment for our sin, he can offer eternal life to those who do not deserve it. And we receive it by faith. That is God's grace. Listen to Romans 3. Or if you have a Bible, turn there to Romans 3. Starting in verse 22. We read this in the second half of verse 22, Romans 3. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. The book of Titus says something very similar in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Paul wrote to Titus, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Because of grace, salvation is available to everyone, regardless of their performance. Because you see, you could never perform well enough to earn it anyway. But God's grace doesn't just apply to salvation, at least not in the sense that we think, well, I'm going to heaven when I die. God's idea of salvation is much broader than that. It's not just going to heaven someday, a destination, but it's a quality of life now. After all, if we have eternal life, we have it now. It doesn't start later. And so God's grace provides other benefits besides just a ticket to heaven. And one of them is our next trump card, which is this. God's promises trump our worries. God's promises trump our worries. Listen to what Jesus said is the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. He said this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about what your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. If we could claim to a few truths this year, and if this was one of the trump cards that we were ready to play at any time. By the way, if you have a trump card, you're always ready to play it. Um, you know how this goes, right? If, you, if any of you are in a relationship, okay, you know all about trump cards. And you get a little snippy, and they get a little snippy, and you're like, I did not. Well, I did too. Well, I did, I did, and, you're bit, and you're like, well, bam, and you bring out whatever that is. I don't have any, so I don't know. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's in theory, it's nice. Like, wait a minute, you said, and boom, and you stop the conversation. I win. Ta-da. That's never happened either. But anyway, trump cards. That's, if we have one, we're eager to play it. Mm -hmm. That's why I was a lousy card player. 
Mike, stop smiling. If we could learn that God's grace trumps our performance, then we would celebrate the gifts that he gives. It doesn't mean we stop trying to perform, but suddenly our performance doesn't dictate our destiny because his grace trumps that. And his promise, his promises trump our worries. Now, we all have worries. And when we feel them, you feel it stirring kind of deep inside, right? And, and as soon as we feel it, we got to reach for our trump card. Wait a minute. Bam! God's promises trump our worries. Now, maybe you want to start with Matthew 6. Jesus said, your father knows what you need. It would be nice if he would show up and say so. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But if we cling to that trump card, by the way, that's his promise. In verse 33, we see, uh, I mean, we see this promise and, and the promise that it gives, this, the, the, this assurance that Jesus knows, that the God the Father knows our needs, so comes to this promise of verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Seek his will. He will take care of the rest. Okay, so now we hit the problem, and that's because you're saying like, yeah, you know, I know I'm sitting in church, and that's what we're supposed to say. But in my experience, I'm not sure. And that's the problem, isn't it? We say we believe this. But if, if we were to actually videotape our actions, our actions would seem to indicate that we don't believe this. We say, well, God knows my needs. And then you worry and worry and worry. And because you're worried, you don't eat well and you, you snap at others and you don't sleep. And you, oh, oh, I know God knows my needs. Really? I know a little bit of something about this duplicity because I live it too. I know what Jesus said. The problem is, is it really happening in my life? The truth of the matter is, we sit here in church, we say the, the Christian things, but our actions say something else. And that's what's really powerful about actions. I happen to be gifted with verbiage. I talk all the time. That's what everybody tells me. I talk for a living for crying out loud, although that was a good choice, I guess, because yeah, what would I do, be an accountant? I don't think so. Maybe you're like me. We all tend to talk, 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 talk. Even if it's not out loud, it's to ourselves. We sit here in church. Yep, yeah, I believe this. Something really powerful about actions. Have you ever seen somebody? Where you say, uh, it doesn't really matter what you say because you're not doing <laughs> what you say. Just want to point that out. I want to be helpful. I want to be helpful. You're not actually doing what you say. Why do we do that? There's a couple of options, I guess. One possibility is that we're just flat out deceived. We're not even aware of the fact that we're saying one thing and doing another. We almost think that's normal. I remember when I first got saved, I was living down in the south, 
And uh, one of the first churches I went to, kind of the old-time, kind of gospel Baptist church, and I saw all these people all dressed up nice, and they're singing these old-time songs. Right after church, I saw these guys out back cussing, spitting, smoking, chewing. And I thought, and they said, well, we would never do that in a church. And I realized, you, I mean, I was just a kid, but I knew what Jesus thought. You guys do realize, like, don't get me wrong, I do things wrong too, but you guys think, like, that's normal? Yeah, go to church, la, 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 go outside, then we cuss. Sometimes maybe we're just deceived. We just think, oh, we walk our talk, and we talk the walk, and, and we're not even aware. Another possibility is that we're just afraid. We're afraid that really God won't provide. He said he would, and maybe in some big spiritual in heaven way he does, but in the way that I really need him to provide, I'm, I'm not sure he will. And, and part of the reason we're afraid of that is because the third point, and that's we failed. We're disillusioned. We've tried to trust him in the past, and it seemed like it didn't work. It seemed like he didn't come through. So we become frustrated in our attempts. We become disillusioned. Is that you? Don't nod. Don't raise your hand. But if that's you, I hope that what we talk about next can be a help. There's a big difference between clearing cobwebs and killing spiders. So much of the time, we spend so much energy clearing cobwebs. Right now, if you're willing, we might be able to kill a few spiders instead. And here's the third trump card. Ready? Small acts trump big intentions. Small acts trump big intentions. It's funny. When I was a kid growing up, when I first got saved, and I got this concept that Jesus died for me, you know, he gave his life for me, I get to give my life for him. Okay, whatever you say. I remember the camp where I was at, and I went forward, and I was crying like everybody else. And I meant, oh, Jesus, my life is yours. 20 minutes later, that really cute girl that I liked so much was in the snack shop. And I was trying to position. And all of a sudden, I remember feeling for the first time in my life this conflict. Is that okay? Is that okay? Because I, I, I was very aware that I was you know, showing off. <laughs> what? Is this what Jesus would want? Uh, he can't care about this part of my life, right? I, I meant the big things. You know, my whole life, not this. And I started right then trying to figure out how I could rationalize giving God all these big intentions, just not really giving the little pieces. Not realizing that my life was nothing but a bunch of little pieces. Where do we start? None of us is perfect, but we can start somewhere because small acts trump big intentions. Martin Luther, when he was asked about temptation, he said, you know, well, how do you fight temptation? What do you do about temptation? And he said, look, I cannot stop the birds from flying over my head, but I can make sure they don't make a nest in my hair. It 
Sometimes it's the big intentions, guys, that distract us from what matters. Small acts always trump big intentions. Let's go back to, second, uh, to Timothy 2. We read verse 11. Let's read on. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Ah, we're all saved. God's grace. Great. But then he goes on. It teaches us. Now, what, what does the it refer to? What's the antecedent of that? What? Grace. The grace of God. So grace does something active. It teaches us. It teaches us to say no to godliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It does? It does? Does grace teach us that? It does. Because God took care of the big problem, we are free to take it one little piece at a time. We're free from the fear that we're never going to get enough over on this side of the ledger so that we get in. We're, fear, we're free from the fear of, oh, he's never going to be approving of me. That All that is gone, and it frees us to make progress. He goes on, he says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of, our, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. What grace is trying to do in our lives is not set us free so we can do anything we want. It's trying to actually change what we want. But I'm preaching to the choir. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you already know that. You would never say it out loud. You don't want to seem prideful. But the truth is, if you could push a button and once and for all, do only God's will for the rest of your life, you would push it in a heartbeat. I know you. If you're, a, if you're a believer, you would do that instantly. I would. Our desire is to do good. The question is, how can we begin to do it? James 1.22. Great passage to memorize if you haven't already. James says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Ah, by the way, you're sitting here and you're listening. Ha ha, you're deceived. Well, he uses the word merely. Don't only listen to the word. Do what it says. Be a doer of the word. There is something about our acts. And this is what I want us to know going into 2016. You have a trump card. You and I have a trump card. And it's that our decisions and our actions have consequence. Now, some of you say, oh boy, don't I know it because you made a stupid decision in 2015. <laughs> don't I know it. Decisions have consequences. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you say it like that? Because if that is true in the negative, it is true in the positive. It is possible for you and I to make a decision today and to act on it little bit at a time every day and to be in a completely different place a year from now. How many of you would say, my spiritual life is everything I could dream of and hope of? No hands. 
Me either. But you don't have to hope and wish for that change. We can actually decide and then act. Small acts trump big intentions. Now, let me just share some other Trump's, Trump cards that kind of relate to that, okay? And we, we don't have time to talk about them a lot today, but a reflection of James 1.22, I would say that obedience and faith trumps repeated listening, repeated hearing. Just listening, hearing it, 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 hearing it. Obedience and faith, no matter how small, always trumps just sitting here and listening again. I remember I was in high school. I was a still a relatively young believer sitting in a, in, a, in, a, in a meeting for this, and this guy was supposed to be a great teacher, and he started teaching on stuff, and I leaned over to my friend, and I said, I already know all this. It all sounded so familiar to me. Blah, 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 blah. He said, maybe, maybe they want you to actually do it, not just know it. You jerk. <laughs> I mean, that's high school kid, you know. This was my same best friend, by the way, who the Lord put it on his heart to share his faith, share the gospel, to share the plan of salvation with everybody that he could. He went off his rocker. He would witness to anything that had breath. He carried this big, thick pack of tracks in his front pocket to school, to work, everywhere he went. He would be driving us to work. We both worked at the same place for a little while, driving to work, and he'd, we'd drive past a bus stop. And he'd be like, pull over. I was like, no, Chris, no, no, no. And he'd just a minute, just a minute. He'd put the car in park. He'd run back. Hey, listen, this is something that changed my life. I hope you can read it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You couldn't go to the mall. You'd never make it to a store. So what are you doing? I'm sharing the gospel. But not with them. Well, with who? I don't know. People when I'm not with you. And I wasn't embarrassed. I would share my faith. I loved sharing my faith. You know what really ticked me off? Is that he kind of made a promise and then he just kept it. Oh. Don't you hate people to do that? I married somebody like that. It's so aggravating. <laughs> You're supposed to say it, but not mean it, not do it. He said, I just want to share my faith with everybody I can. And the definition of everybody I can was any person within eyesight. He made an impact. He made a bigger impact than I ever have. Some 30 years later, he is still doing that. He would embarrass you guys if he were here. He'd share the gospel with some of you because just want to make sure. He'd be like, what kind of a wacko friend is it? He wouldn't take it for granted. Here's another trump card. When you're thinking about taking action, small acts trump big intentions, remember this too. Specific always trumps generic. So, for instance, if you say... I want to be in the word more. Okay, that's, that's nice. Get specific. What are you going to read? Where? When? How? What? Now, some of us, some of you are on version, and I've seen you. I signed up for a few plans. I've seen some of you sign up for plans. That's great. Got to be careful because it is possible to go in and just check things off and not read them. I just want to make sure that everybody thinks I'm reading. 
That's actually what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. In the Sermon on the Mount, he talks over and over about, start on the inside. But get this right. Specific always trumps generic. Forget some big generalization. Choose something specific. I'm going to share my faith with somebody before this month is done. There you go. I'm going to talk to this friend. I'm going to read this portion. I want to memorize this one verse. I'm going to try to stop saying that word. Specific always trumps generic. I promise. Along the same lines, regular always trumps sporadic. Now, I tend to be kind of a free-spirited person. And it doesn't necessarily seem like it anymore because I've tried hard to make changes. But the truth of the matter is, I like to do things when they occur to me, when they strike me, when I'm inspired. So you guys know the story about as a young person when everybody else was having devotions and I wasn't. And, you know, I just, well, I was just waiting to feel like I wanted to. You know what? Grace covers that. God still loved me. But I wasn't making any progress. Something regular always trumps something sporadic, no matter what it is. No matter how small it is, regular will trump sporadic. Here's another one. Planning always trumps surprises. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. You know, what, what happens when we hit hard times? I've noticed this. We hit hard things, struggles, battles, and the first thought is, why are you doing this to me? And the truth of the matter is, oh, wait, and this is the other part. Then I, somebody comes in for counseling, and they start to tell me their story. And, and, and I, I, I like, I, wait, 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 let me guess. So then you did this. Oh, yes. And then, and then she probably said that. Oh, my goodness. It's like you're reading my mind. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm not reading your mind. The print is way too small. I, I, the reason I know this is because it's not as unique as you think. We always think our, our struggles are so special and so unique. But what Paul's saying is most of these temptations are common to everybody. He says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Well, I've been close. Excuse me. Close isn't the same. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. A while back, Carolyn James was here talking to the women. And I think one of the points that she made to you ladies about faith is that often what we, try, we hope that when we get into a big crisis, when we suddenly enter a crisis, that then we will have faith in God and we'll find strength and trust Him. I'm going to tell you, just like she would say, don't wait for the crisis and then hope to have faith. Practice faith now in little things, in regular things. Plan now so that when the surprises come, they're not really surprises. You know, there's three kinds of trouble. There's the trouble you're in, that's the trouble you've been in, and the trouble you're going to be in. Don't, don't, you're, there's no reason to be surprised. Plan now. A couple more before we go. Here's a trump card. Habit 
trumps willpower. Habit trumps willpower. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That was you, right, with the diet last year? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, or the workout at the gym. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know. The truth of the matter is, willpower was never even meant to go past about five minutes. Willpower has to do with equipping a decision. The next decision needs to be a habit. You want to know how powerful habits are? I mean, seriously. A habit is the secret weapon of every effective, successful person. Habits are the secret weapon. I can prove it. You ready? Why is it that everything else isn't as easy as getting fat? Getting fat's easy, isn't it? Hmm. Why, is every, why isn't everything like that? See, we eat like that, we act like that, we talk like that, we think like that because it's a habit, not because we choose to. The choice was a long time ago. Use willpower, make a choice, and then build a habit to support it. In high school, in college, had a, a, a friend who wanted to read his Bible every day, so he simply put his car keys in his Bible before he went to bed. I said, well, so what? You can always just grab your keys out of the Bible and go. And he goes, I can. Sometimes I have. But at least I know I have to look at it right in the face and say, nope, I'm not going to do what I decided to do. And he said, usually if I start saying that out loud, I say, nope, I'm, yes, I am. And then he'll sit and read. Habit trumps willpower. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only, the one, only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who keep, competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it for a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Habit always beats willpower. I dare you to try it on one little thing. A couple more. Internal trumps external. Okay, so just like we said on your U version, you can go in and check off and make sure that all the people that are your friends on U version know that you read. If that's all that matters to you. But Jesus said, let it start from the inside. I want to read, even if no one knows that I'm reading. Now, sometimes there's accountability. It's kind of nice to say, ah, he's still keeping up and I'm two days behind. Okay, that's fine. Internal should trump external. Another one, spirit trumps flesh. You can try and try and try, or you can ask God to empower you. Listen to Galatians 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you will do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Here's another one. Support 
trumps in independence. You're going to make a decision. Okay? If you want to lose weight this year, you should get your friend Oprah to help you. What is up with all that? It's simple. And many of you know the success. You have learned that doing something alone is next to impossible. But when you enlist the help of others, and when you combine that with some of these other ones, then it's doable. When I had friends who decided, we all decided together to memorize a portion of scripture, and I knew that every time I saw them, they'd say, I'm up to verse 16, where are you? Verse 9. Well, can I help you? Right? But there's accountability and challenge and mutuality. Support always trumps independence. You have been, you've been trying to do this all by yourself because you don't want anybody to know how badly you're failing. That's a great way to keep failing. But when you find someone you trust and you say, I just need to come clean on something, I have this habit and it's destroying me. I have this hang-up and it's trashing me. I have this hurt and I cannot get over it. Help me. I'm so envious, Stephen Shirley with Recovery Ministries. You know, it's kind of fun to be around people who go, I'm a mess. 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 My life, you know, it's kind of like I say, I'm a mess, and they go, oh, well, I'll pray for you. <laughs> so afraid of that. I didn't mean a big mess. But you find someone you trust and someone who is committed to helping you because they also want to move forward. Support Trump's independence. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We haven't read from Ecclesiastes. Starting verse 9. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one, pity anyone who has no one to help them up. Verse 12 says this. The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In the bulletin, uh, I mentioned that next Sunday, Montgomery Baptist Church, a church out on 309, they're going to be showing the war room. And uh, many of you have seen it. Some of you have seen it many times. But they're going to be showing it as kind of like a, an event, 6.30 at their church. And um, so I told them that I would go. And I want to encourage as many of you to go, if you can, next Sunday night at 6.30. It'll be a good time to have some fellowship and, and kind of our folks, some of us, get to meet some of them. But, but there's a reason why we're meeting together. And we're going to look for a couple other opportunities to kind of bring our families together. Because, see, most of you, if you knew that somebody was in trouble, if you knew that somebody was struggling, and you had something that would help them, that's core to Crossroads. We want to be a blessing. Just try to stop you guys from giving if there's a need. We usually think of that in terms of individual people who have needs. But what would happen if we found out that there was an entire body of believers, an entire church that was struggling? People who've been faithful in the past, but for whatever reason, right now the congregation dwindles and they get older and they've tried to reach out and they don't really seem able to. 
They're faithful in the word. They try to encourage each other. But even though their church is a nice little, it could be a club, they could enjoy it, they're not happy with that because they know they're supposed to be reaching out. They just don't know how to alone anymore. And then I meet with their pastor. And I'm sharing some of the things that we see God doing here. What should we do if he says to me, would your people help us? We want to have a church like that. We want our church to be that again. Why is it that we think that every church should be on its own when really churches are stronger together? We're all part of the same family. And so over the next couple of months, we're going to be intentional about finding some opportunities for us to mingle with them. We'll bring them here. We'll go there. We'll all go someplace. But we're going to look for some opportunities to mingle. And when we do that, they're going to see you and our excitement. Some of you who've been teaching, others of you who are just new new believers. And and then they would say, oh, how can we help? See, I think two churches together into one church could be stronger as well. And a cord of three is, quick, is not quickly broken. <clears throat> Colossians 1.29, we read this and we're going to close. He is the one that we proclaim, Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend, and that's what we're talking about today, If you want to make progress in this coming year, it's going to mean that you're going to have to strenuously contend. It does take work, but it's not the kind of work that you think. He goes on. He says, strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. Jesus Christ, if you know him as your Savior, his spirit is active in you, and he wants to help you take steps forward. We need to remember these trump cards. So I'm wondering, would you be so bold as to try to do something small in 2016? Something small. I don't know what it is. Is it a verse? Is it a person? Is it an act? It's a habit? Try something small and ask the power of Christ to work in you. And never forget that God's grace trumps our performance. How you're doing doesn't matter when compared to how he does. And God's promises trump your worries, so stop wringing your hands and instead get busy because small acts always trump big intentions. At this time next year, you'll be in a whole different place. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, just take a second. We've been here for a while now. On the bottom of your notes page, there are some questions, and and maybe you want to take some time and meet with someone, go over those together 
But I want to ask you now to begin that process. What is God saying to you? Where is it that he wants you to start? What is it that he wants to change in your life in the coming year? Talk to him about it now. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, that's where to start. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I, I, I know you died, but I never knew you died for me. Now the best I know how I'm putting my faith in Christ as my Savior. Others of us say, well, I keep talking and talking and talking. It's time I did something and made a decision. Help me to start small. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.